you a question. What's your defining moment? What is your defining moment? And uh, let's just say a couple things before we get started. Uh, we believe. Come on, outside voice. We believe. Miracle days are here again. The glory of the Lord is on this service. We declare the manifest power of God is here. And we declare the manifest presence of God is here. We declare the manifest goodness of God is here right now in Jesus' name. Woo! Amen. Yeah. So again, bedrock truths. Number one, God cannot lie. God gave a promise to Gleb. He did not lie. Actually, he biggie-sized it. Come on. He was believing for his brother, and then all of a sudden God said, well, let's get your parents involved in this. Come on, man. That's how God is. He'll take your, he'll take the biggest thing that you have that you're believing him for, and that's what he starts with. That's his base. And then he goes up from there. Blesses you till you can't stand it. And you got to give it away. Woo! So, number one, God cannot lie. Number two, his word is true. We could trust him. Yeah, we can. Jesus is the same and forever and number four as he is so are we so are we so my question to you today is what is your defining moment and uh, a defining moment would be moments in our lives that define who we are and as you as I start to talk about this and as I was preparing this all these different divine um, defining moments that I've gone through started flashing up and, and they're going to start bringing back things that, that you went through as well. So a defining moment is a point in your life when you're urged to make a pivotal decision. Or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. Not only do these moments define us, but they have a transformative effect on our perceptions and our behaviors. And you think about where you are today. There had to be a defining moment that got you from where you were to where you are today. It's all marked by a defining moment. Moments that transform who you are to the person whom God wants you to be. And he called you to be. So uh, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, let's just start there. Woo! We know this one, but it's always good to, like Kenneth says, get your eyes on it. Put your eyes on it. 3.18. But we all. With an open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. New Living says, as, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. Makes us more and more like him. More and more like him. As we are changed into his glorious image. We're changed into him. And of course... There's not, a, there's not a lot of passion ones here, but there, this, there is one here. It says uh, in the passion, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no, come on, the veil removed. Open. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked and not ashamed, right? And with no veil, we all become like mirrors to brightly reflect the, the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image 
as we move from one brighter level of glory to another, see, our life should be all based on increase more and more from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord. He's the one that's going to do it. So I looked up um, the finding moments in dictionary.com and, and it says it's a very crucial moment, a crucial point. Um, each of those moments contained a wide variety of emotions to include excitement, confusion, shame, jealousy, forgiveness, love, anger, guilt, fear, all in a, all, all wrapped up and tied into this little bow called defining moment. How many defining moments have you had in your life? Huh? There had to be a defining moment for, for Nick and Louise to actually meet. Then there was another defining moment when they actually started dating. Then there was another defining moment when they got married. And there's going to be so many more defining moments that caused them to grow into who God has called them to be. Now, a cinnamon. Synonym. Synonym. Let me add. Synonym. Sounds like the same. It's a, it's a decisive moment. It's a moment of truth. The point of no return, a turning point or a crisis point, a crossroad. Anybody that got born again had to go through a crossroad. I went through many. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and you'll have to read the magazine to find out about any of that. Crisis point, crunch time, high noon. When push comes to shove. Have you been in a situation where push cut came to shove and all of us, there you are. There you are. And it's called a defining moment. For some, the moment is, is something they'll never forget because it, it, it created such an impact of who they are. But for others, the, the moment might have seemed very small and minuscule. But that moment as well as life went on to be a catalyst for big changes. See, God will use little things to cause a big effect in your life. It could be a person. I remember when I was working at the, um, the Carriage House Motor Inn in, in Alberta when I, when I first moved out there. And there was a lady who was a receptionist from the Philippines. And she was saved. And she's always telling me about Jesus. And I didn't want to hear about it. I'm on the, because I came from, from Windsor, Ontario to go on the road with this band. And she's always telling me about Jesus. And I didn't want to hear about him because I used to be saved back before. So, I, like, I knew about him, but I was running. But this Filipino lady kept on, kept on, kept on, and then Billy Graham came to town. And you know what happens when Billy Graham comes. Yeah, so he was at the McMahon um, field, and when he gave his altar call, I was up in the third, uh, like, up at the top nosebleeds, because I didn't want to be there anyways, but I went, because she just, and by the time he gave his altar call, I was up at the front. It felt like somebody grabbed me by my shirt, and, and by the time I looked up, I was up at the front. Both hands up. And my defining moment with that was that the lady was from the Philippines. That catalyst was part of the, the reason why I fell, fell in love with the Filipino people and went there seven times. Emissions trips. God used that situation to, to guide me to where I, like, and, and then I happened to find out that her husband, who was a doctor, was the uh, brother... No, the cousin of Eric Estrada. Remember Chips? Yeah. Motorcycle? Yeah. <laughs> so, I met, so I met the doctor, and, I, and they got all these pictures of Eric Estrada. And, uh, so I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> nice teeth, right? <laughs> Anyways, so um, defining moments. There's good moments. 
And here's one. When you decided to follow Jesus and gave your life to him, that was a really good defining moment, right? Um, how about when you got baptized? Was, that was a serious defining moment. And <laughs> James, Brother James, were you there when Pastor and I were baptizing down at the Gasparo River, baptizing people from the church? <laughs> and this was... <laughs> So we're so I'm on one side, he's on the other, and the current's going this way. So we're baptizing down like this. And this lady, we don't know who she was, but she she saw us baptizing a bunch of people, so she wanted to get baptized. And she was a little heavy. And we put her down and we lost her. <laughs> so so here, here's him and I running down the trying to get her back, right? But I thought, well, she went to see Jesus. Well, she's she's baptized. <laughs> Anyways, but we, we caught her. So it's all good. <laughs> How about this one? Marriage, children, glory to God, um, significant life accomplishments. How about the realization of a dream? Huh? Something that you've always had back here, and all of a sudden it came to the forefront of who you are, and it's like, boom! What do you call that? That's a defining moment. Uh, there's some not-so-good ones, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, conflict with friends or family, a divorce, crisis with children, or, or a personal crisis, you know, like your health, that kind of stuff. Someone once said this, it's not what happens in life that defines us, it's rather how we respond to what happens in our life that really defines who we are. How do you do, how do you, how do you respond when stuff happens? And the thing is, especially being a Christian, because the people that, that work with you, that are talking about you behind their back. They're watching you. When, when the stuff hits the fan, and they're going to go, what are you going to do now, little Christian? Sister Christian. Anyways, so it's like, what are you going to do? And they're watching you. And so then you, you just respond the way that you normally do. Ha, 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 ha. Praise the Lord. And, and it's like, why is this not bugging them? I was working at the dockyard. And that's a, that number right there, that's a sign and a wonder. Because anybody that has worked at the dockyard knows you don't work, you hide. And here I am, like I'm a Christian, I'm fired up, and I'm working with these guys. And the guy said, "Well, um, I want to take off, so you got to go hide yourself for for like three hours." Glory to God. How do I do that? And so I just, you know, I I just try to try to make myself low and and not get caught, but. Um, there was a guy I was working with all the time and I was just doing my job, but I was doing it happy. And one day he just came up to me and said, man, what is it that makes you tick? I said, man, I got Jesus. And then he started telling me about all the crazy wild stuff that's going on in his life. But I had a chance to, why? Because I worked. <laughs> I did my job, right? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Hallelujah. So, defining moments. Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Woo! <laughs> 1 Samuel 16. Come on now, because I started talking about some uh, defining moments in my life, and I know for a fact that there's a whole pile of defining moments that are starting to flash up in your, in your mind's eye and, and in, your, in your thoughts. It's like, oh man, that one was, that one was, there was one. I didn't even realize that that was a defining moment, but it, it propelled me. It changed who I was. It changed my, my direction to where I was going. It changed my thought pattern to what I was thinking about. It's pretty wild. 
Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. I was, I was reading that this morning. And when you start feeling rejection, fill your horn with oil. Stir yourself up. Get happy. Right? Because that's how you deal with that. Because he was mourning for, you know, he was mourning. He wasn't in a happy spot. He said, fill your horn with oil. And I will, and I will send you to Jeff, Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If, if Saul hears it, he's going to kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer. He didn't even listen to that. He said, take a heifer. With you and say, I am to <laughs> I'm coming to, to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint him, uh, uh, anoint unto me him who I name unto you. Don't you like King James? Glory to God. And verse seven, and Samuel did what, what the Lord had spoken and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come in peace? Could you imagine? When you come to town, people start freaking out. You come in peace? Glory. <laughs> and he said, peaceably. I bet you they <laughs> we're okay. I've come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Verse, uh, and, he, and he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on, on his countenance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Isn't that something? And so, uh, you know, Jesse made all of his sons appear before him. And then in verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, uh, are, all, are, here all you, are all you children here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for I will not sit down until he comes. See, the Lord knows where you are. When you think that nothing is happening, and, and everybody else is being um, um, moving up, as per se, around you, but not you. The Lord knows where you are. And he has, not forget, he has not forgotten his promise. If he gave you a word, he's going to see to it that it does come to pass. And he said, I will not, uh, I will not sit down until he comes. Glory to God. Um, that was his defining moment. Verse 13. It says, Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Come on. His brothers couldn't stand him, but it, God did. God did in the midst of his brothers. He said, oh, yeah, here. How you like me now? In the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. From that day forward. Come on now. His defining moment from that day forward. There's so many defining moments in your lives from this. Hey, this could be your defining moment. For this day forward, change is coming. The anointing is growing bigger, 
stronger. Things are starting to happen. Doors are open. From this day forward, you're, come on now. This could be your defining moment. From this day forward, that could be your, that should be your, <laughs> that should be your confession. From this day forward, <laughs> things are working for my benefit. My good. Hey. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. because And, you know, just thinking about David, because what happened to him in 1 Samuel 17, it, it, verse 25, it says, shall, and it shall be that the man who kills the king shall be enriched with riches. Oh, for the man, oh, we're talking about Goliath. The man who kills him, uh, the king will enrich with great riches, give his daughter and his father's house exemption from taxes. Could you imagine being tax-free? Well, how much money is that? <laughs> Glory to God. But the thing is, too, you know, here's another thing. Um, we could be, ta- you know, the, kill, a, kill a giant, become tax-free. But if you tithe, you get that money back from the government. So put your name on the envelope. Because I've talked to, there's a lot of people that want to put their name on the envelope. It's like, why not? Get a receipt. The government wants to give you some money. Oh, I don't want to take it. <laughs> 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 Walk into this. They want to pay you. And that's it. That's in the natural. The government wants to pay you some money. Then when you tithe, you get the blessing of the tither. God opens up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that's so big, so big. Come on, you can't even take it in. Glory to God. That's why we do what we do. Come on, glory. Um, let's go to 2 Kings, please. 2 Kings, verse 7. Talking about the lepers. We're going to take it up in verse 3. Let me know when you're there. There? Okay. So there was four lepers, leprous men, and at the entering in of the gate, and they said to one to another, why sit we here till we die? Why do we sit here till we die? Have you thought that yourself? Glory to God. If we say we'll enter into the city when the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we're going to die anyway. So you're going to die. You might as well die in the will of God. (laughs) Glory to God. Now, therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall be alive. If they kill us, well, we're going to die. Glory. Huh. The spirit of faith rose up on them. And they rose up in the, in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. When they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was nobody there. Verse 6, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and noise of horses, even the, even the noise of a great host. Okay, now, uh, people that with leprosy, they usually lose their digits, their limbs, and all that other stuff. But God amplified their steps. God will amplify your steps as you step out. Come on now. He, oh, it's just me. No, no, it's you and him. It's you and him. It's a majority. And God never lost a fight. Never lost. Actually, all you got to do is show up. He said, stand still and see. You just watch me. <laughs> God, wants to, God wants you to watch him do what he does so you can say, woo, God, look at you go. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part, uttermost part of the camp, they went to one tent and did eat and drink, and they gathered the silver and the gold and the clothing. Clothing, suits. Come on now, they must have dressed good. And went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent and carried their, that away also, and they went and hid that. And they said to one another, We're not, we do not do well. This is a day of good tidings. In other words, uh, this isn't right. This is good news happening to us. It's kind of like we got this nice little secret here. It is not right that we hang on to this little secret here. We need to get this word out. Come on. We do. We need to get this word out and, and let people know, hey, hey, here we are. Mm-hmm. They said, this isn't right. This is a day of great news. And it's true. Defining moments. Why sit we here till we die? Are you tired of sitting? Yeah. Matthew chapter 3. Glory to God. Verse 11. John the Baptist. Hmm. This is cool. He said uh, in verse 11 in Matthew chapter 3, uh, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear or carry. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He'll purge, thoroughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the garner, and he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. But then, verse 13, then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John, John forbade him and said, man, I, and Jesus said, I have need to be baptized. Or he said to Jesus, I have need to be baptized of you. And you come to me. Are you kidding me? Do you know who you are? Jesus answered and said, allow it to be so. For, for thus it becomes to fulfill all righteousness. Oh my goodness. Glory to God. In other words, we got to do this thing. We got to do this thing. Then he allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight up, straightway out of the water, and, and lo, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. He was not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. He's not. No, people shoot birds. Right? If you're driving too close, they will flip you the bird. But that's what they do. And he saw the spirit. <laughs> he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, "This here's the big reveal. This right here, him. Hey, him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased." Then he goes to you. Hey, Ken. There's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he went through the aisles and highlighting everybody. Right? Lloyd, Marg, there's my beloved daughter and who I'm well pleased. He's well pleased. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, let's see. There's a pile of these that are so, so cool. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, um, let's go to the book of John, please. Uh, verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 37. I'm going to read this out of the 
New King James for you, Annette. Woohoo! Nice and easy. John 13, 37. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I follow you? Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say unto you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. And uh, verse 37, or uh, chapter 18, verse 15. Um, let's jump over there. He said, You're gonna you're gonna deny me three times. But in chapter, John chapter 18, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went to, with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. 16, Peter stood outside at the door outside, and the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door, brought Peter in. Verse 17, then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, Peter, you're not one of these man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now the servants and officers who, who made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold. They warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. That wasn't good. Verse 25. Now Peter stood and warmed himself, and, the, and wherefore they said unto him, um, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. That was two. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off. Okay, now listen. If somebody cut off your cousin's ear, you would know who they are. Come on, you'd be hunting that person down. You cut my cousin's ear. Think about it. If you were close to your cousin and somebody came up and said, hey. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> your hiney is mine. I'm tearing you up. Right? Mm-mm. Verse 18, now the servants and the officers who made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now, verse 25, now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and, and therefore they said unto him, um, you're not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servant girls of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off. Did I not see you in the garden with him? <laughs> then Peter denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Immediately. Jesus said, you're going to deny me. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 61 and 62, um, after he denied him, and this is the one that is just, you know, you want to talk about something that is just going to touch your heart, rip your heart out. Uh, Luke twenty-two sixty-one, 61. And the Lord, after, after he denied Jesus, and it says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So he heard him. He heard him. What would that do for, with you? My goodness. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And, he, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. That was a defining moment for him. But we can't leave him there. So we got to jump over to Acts chapter 2. That was a sad defining moment for him, but then it propelled him ahead. Just like sad defining moments for us will propel us ahead if we allow it to. So our, 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 it's really, it's our choice. What are you going to do with it? Because it's going to happen. Stuff happens. Jesus said it, it rains on the, was it Jesus? Rains on the just and the unjust. Come on. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. Pip up. Cheerio. Pip, pip. <laughs> Acts 2, 
Verse 14. And Peter's standing up. Come on. He, he just, we just left him weeping bitterly. Now he is standing up in a crowd. He stands up with the 11, raised his voice. Now, other people that are bummed out, they're not going to do, they're not going to raise their voice. You're doing good if you get a whimper out of them, right? But Peter, he raised his voice and said, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. Come on. He's telling them, he's like, I'm about to give you, I'm about to pour some revelation on you. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, so it's, it's only the third hour of the day. Verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said unto the rest of the apostles, men, brethren, what shall we do? This is what they said. When people are going to come up to you and say, what do I have to do to get like you? What am I going to have to do to have that light that you've got on in me? What am I going to do? How do we do this? He said, Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the permission to sin. Is that what it says? No, remission. Thank you, James. Yeah, the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is unto you and to your children. Well, I don't believe that's for today. Well, it's uh, unto you and to your children and to all who are, are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So even if our kids are far off, Come on, they're coming. They're coming. They got no choice. Ah! I'm telling you. Verse 40. And with other many words, he testified and exhorted him, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then th those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. Around 3,000 souls were added to them. So he went from a situation where he went out bitterly and crying to, to all of a sudden 3,000 souls added to the kingdom. You're welcome. Defining moment. What a cool defining moment that was. This is a good one. Um, yeah, this is good. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 15, please. Acts chapter 15. Talk about defining, like, and defining moments are all, all through this Bible. They're all through your life. All the things that you've done. Here's a defining moment for me. I was working at the Hilton in Windsor, Ontario, as a shipper receiver, purchasing um, assistant. Then all of a sudden, I um, I got an opportunity to work at the Nova Scotian because the Hilton Corporation bought the Nova Scotian Hotel, and with that with that purchase came the opportunity for me. As a, uh, to become a purchasing agent or the purchasing manager for that hotel. And I said, well, you know what? I was born here. I'm a Nova Scotian by birth certificate, but I was raised in Ontario. But I, have, but I moved away from here when I was like um, grade three or grade four. So I haven't been back here for years. And so um, I said, yeah. I got relatives in Nova Scotia. Let's go. So we moved here. Shirley came with me, and and uh, and Crystalline, yeah. And we moved here. That was a defining moment. How did I know that going from Windsor, Ontario, to work at the 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 Nova Scotian Hotel to be here? 
there, and in between that, there's so many defining moments that got me to where I am today, but we don't, we don't have enough time to do that one. Glory to God. That's a book. Uh, Acts chapter 15, please. Uh, verse 35. And Paul also and Barnabas continued to Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. Verse 36. Some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and let's see how they're doing. Verse 37, uh, Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went, and went not with them to the work. In other words, he split. And verse 39, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. They split. These guys are working together. These guys are Christians. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now, in the Passion, it says in verse 39, it became a heated argument between them, a disagreement so sharp that they parted from each other. Heated argument. Christians in the ministry. Imagine. Glory to, you mean they're not sitting there? Somebody said, yeah, what do you do all day? Well, I wait in the corner waiting for the word from the Lord. Do you have a job? Do you actually work? Yeah, ministry is called work. <laughs> the message says tempers flared, and they ended up going their separate ways. Tempers. Get a hold of you. Temper. These guys are, come on, these guys are in the ministry. It's amazing. So there's a defining moment. Now let's jump to um, the back to Acts chapter 13 to find out, okay, why did these guys end up the way they did? And in <laughs> Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Persia uh, in Pamphylia, and John departed from them. He returned to Jerusalem. John left them. This is why <laughs> Paul had an attitude. Come on now, because John Mark, he quit. Um, New Living says, there John, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. Um, and the message, that's where John called it quits and went back to Jerusalem. Took his saddle and went home. In the middle of a, a, a missionary journey, in the middle of a ministry, he decides to cut and run. Defining moment, a moment of truth, the point of no return, a turning point, crunch time, high noon. Um, in Proverbs chapter 25, it says, confidence in an unfaithful person in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. Have you worked with people like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Glory to God. Um, New Century Version says, trusting unfaithful people when you're in trouble is like eating, eating with a broken tooth or walking with a crippled foot. You ever try walking with a crippled foot? You can't. Um, but we can't, leave, we can't leave John Mark deserted, right? So let's jump over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're getting ready to close pretty soon, too. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. So hang with me. The landing is going to be really fun. It's really cool. Suzanne said something to me just a little while ago, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that. <laughs> She's going, what? <laughs> it's something that you suggested. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm taking you up on that suggestion. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And Shirley was there and Gerald was there. And 
<laughs> I can hear her thinking now. Okay, this could be a defining moment for me. <laughs> All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. Um, verse 9. Paul's talking. It says, do your diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, uh, Crescens to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me, to the ministry. What happened? Come on now. There had to be a defining moment that got him changed around to the point where now Paul said he's, be, he's profitable to him for his, bring him. Right? Um, in the New Living, it says, uh, verse 10, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. Has gone to Thessalonica. Uh, verse 11, only Luca's with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he'll be helpful to me in my ministry. And in the message, it says, bring Mark with you. He'll be my right-hand man. How did he get from there to there? We're never wrote off. People are never wrote off, even if they quit. John Mark quit, but he wasn't wrote off. Some of the other religious people wrote him off. Even the Apostle Paul wrote him off, but he didn't stay written off, right? And so, um, Here's one I want to share with you. How about your defining moment? <clears throat> and I got this. Um, <laughs> this is cool. Um, there's, a there's a lady, her name is Shannon L. Elder. And it says, carve your name on hearts, not on tombstones. A legacy is etched into the minds of others and the stories they share about you. The stories that they share about you. These stories are defining moments. Now, this is all about leaving a legacy, but it's also leaving a defining moment where you go. So uh, the idea of leaving a defining, <clears throat> a, a, a defining moment is the need or the desire to be remembered for what you've contributed to the world. Amen? Most will leave a more uh, modest, uh, modest legacy that doesn't necessarily change the world, but it does have lasting footprint that will be remembered by those whose lives you've touched. How many funerals have you gone to where people are talking about all the cool things that you did, but those people that are laying in that casket will never hear it? Tell it to them while they're alive. Come on, what you're sharing with them could change their whole life trajectory. That could be the push that they needed to, 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 to start their defining moment. Right? That's the thing when, when I, you know, you do funerals, I, sometimes they make me mad because everybody's talking about all the good things that they, that this person has done, but he's never heard it. Don't you like it when people come up to you and say, wow, man, that was, that was really good that you, what you did. Great job. Thank you. You know what, what you said to me changed my life, right? Um, I had a bunch of people from the back in the day in the youth group. I remember when, um. Um, oh my goodness, what's his name? Nathan became an RCMP. He first got his, his uniform. First thing he did, showed up in my office. 
Yeah. Because he said, man, you said I could do it. You said I could do it. James T., same thing. He's still here. He's one of my first. Why? I said he could do it. Here's five ways to leave a great legacy. Number one, these, these are very cool. Support the people and the causes that are important to you. Support that. There isn't any more wonderful thing in life than making the choice to sustain loyalty to a friend by lovingly supporting everything that is good and right about that person's life. Support them. And it's real easy. Number two, reflect and decide what is most important in your life. Find your truth. What is your truth? What is it that makes you tick? What is it that there's something on the inside of you that for years is like, oh, man, I love this. Huh? They're writing a book? Finally! Next week, here's a plug. Our very own Marion is having a, a book signing. And she's going to be selling books. She's going to be signing books. She's going to be speaking. She's going to be doing it a lot. And uh, come on, this book will change your life. Let's support that. Support the causes. Support the people and the causes that are important to you. We know her. She grew up with us. She's family. Why don't you support your family? Amen. And the books are only 20 bucks. That's one piece of paper. You don't have to break it. Come on. You don't have to go, oh, I, I got no change. Give them the 20. For real. Yeah. Maybe bring a pair of 20s. What a Christmas gift they would be. Birthday gifts. Come on. People need to hear what, they ha- what she has to say. So, so number one, support the people and the causes that are important to you. Number two, reflect and decide what is most important in your life. Number three, share your blessings with others. That's what Gleb was talking about. Sharing the blessing with others. Think of all the blessings you've had in life and try to be mindful of sharing with others with the richness of your life. And it is to our legacy to give back this in abundance to others. For everyone has, a blessings, everyone has blessings to share. Even if it's a simple smile of acknowledgement. Smile. Yeah, you can smile. Even if you're wearing a mask, smile through your eyes. Make eye contact with people as they come by. On purpose. I do it. <laughs> Some get a little freaked out. But <laughs> Who that? Number four, be a mentor to others. Be a mentor. A mentor, by definition, is a, is a more experienced or more knowledgeable person with an area of expertise. Any, everyone has some significant truth to impart to others that will guide the less experienced people in their lives. Everybody. Everybody has something to give. You can't say, oh, I got nothing. Are you faithful? I look around this room, I see the same faces every Thursday, every, fr- every su- Friday, Sunday. I would say that's faithful, wouldn't you? Come on. I see tithe envelopes being filled out. That's faithful. You don't have to give us your money. You're not giving it to us anyways. You're giving it to God. 
but you don't have to give it, but you do. Come on. Why? Because you believe in what's going on here. So, number one, support the people and causes that are important to you. Reflect in, number two, reflect and decide what is most important to your life. Number three, share your blessings with others. Number four, be a mentor to others. Number five, this is the one that I love. Pursue your passions because they are infectious. Pursue your passions for they are infectious. I cannot tell you how many people I have talked about smoking with. Things. Meat. Get out of there. No, those days are gone. No, I, I, I tell people, yeah, I'm smoking everything now. <gasps> no, meat product. I smoked the three food groups. Chicken, beef, and pork. That's all that matters. There's only three. <sighs> but I'm going to add a next one. Lamb, because it's not bad. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so pursue, <laughs> pursue your passions because they're infectious. Come on. I have, cha- I have chats with Brother James, Paul, Joey. Who else? Pastor. All of us. Really? <sighs> it doesn't, like, every time we get together, we're going to be talking about smoking something. Come on. If we, had, if we had a commune, it'd be a great big smoke oven. And people would just be sitting around, oh, wow, man. I'm, too, I'm so full. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It'd be awesome. Hey, I'll tell you what, it works. So passions are your legacy. Passion comes from an outpouring of interest and ideas that make a difference in your life. Now, finding and pursuing your passion allows you to see your destiny very clear. Life won't be any fun if you don't pursue your passions to the fullest. It won't be fun because you're going to be sitting back going, oh, man, what if? What if we recorded? What if we didn't? Yeah, but what if we did? Right? Because eventually you talk about it so much that it catches fire. And, and it's, it's highly infective and it, because, like, being a musician, and all of a sudden we start popping around some new, new licks and stuff. Ooh. Ooh, that's, ooh. I like that one. Let's record that. Why? Because now we got some stuff. We got substance to do that. Right? And then we're putting pictures of what we're smoking on. And it's like, oh, there's some substance. I want some of that. I'm telling you. Glory to God. I've been, <laughs> I've been researching brisket now. And I, I've, I've, got a, I, I've got a thing. I can't wait to start it. Oh, yeah. Hey, there will be film coming out at 11. Anyways, so finding and pursuing your passions allow you to see the destiny uh, clearly. And life won't be any fun unless you pursue your passions and, and, and your interests to the fullest. And it is contagious. Don't miss the opportunity to pursue your passions and then continue to look for new adventures. Come on. How can we make this album a conceptual album then? Right? What else do we want to add on it? Do we want to add strings? Do we want to add this or that? Um, no triangles. Maybe cowbell. Yeah. Got to have cowbell. 
I'm in. So, nuggets. Are you ready for this? Here's a close. Here's, here's a nugget. The two greatest days of your life. Number one, the day that you were born again. Number two, the day that you found your purpose. Number one, the day that you were born again. Number two, the day that you found your purpose. God's purpose for you and me is much bigger than our mistakes. So let's do this on purpose, creating many defining moments that can never be erased. Amen? I heard um, this guy say this. This is my last thing. Um, he said, if one day of doubt turned into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, one day, what will one day of faith do for us? <laughs> Mic drop, right? <laughs> what will that do? Imagine. You get your faith out there for something. And all of us getting our faith out there for something. If we know what you're believing God for, and it's like, okay, you know what? We're going to get into agreement with that. Woo! We have a whole church doing that. And then we're just looking around, okay, so what are you believing for? <laughs> what are you believing for? What, are you, what do you got? Then we'll be having so many testimonies of harvest that, hey, we won't be able to preach anything. Right? Won't be able to stand the minister because of the anointing being so strong and people being so blessed. That is you. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.